Welcome to Raising Up Cops, a podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture, hosted by Madonna Lewindi and me, Laura Michael. And you guys will have to excuse my voice because I spent three hours yesterday screaming at a championship basketball games back to back. We, um, the girls and boys, middle school basketball teams were playing in the championship. The girls lost by one point. And it was awful. It was awful. And the boys were tied until the last 30 seconds of the game when the other team made back-to-back baskets and we could not recover. Wow. So after all that screaming, I have no championships to show for it, but they worked so <laughs> hard and they played so hard. So God bless them. Um, Madonna, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Although I didn't have a major loss to recover from, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, we're doing okay. A lot of changes in my house recently. Um, we decided to withdraw my son from school since I started homeschooling Elise. So we just decided to, you know, pull the plug and let him stay home too and try the whole thing together. So pray for us and really pray for them because I don't know how this is going to go for them. So wish us luck. <laughs> I guess your conversation with the, or our conversation with Sherry uh, in the last episode really ha- had an effect. <laughs> Yeah, it was always kind of in the back of my mind, but then we got all these notices back to back to back of sicknesses in his school. And we were like, you know what? This really isn't worth it. I'm already home. I'm already doing the school thing. Might as well just add another kid to the mix. And God willing, it won't be the biggest mistake of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Laura, today we just wanted to talk a little bit about kids and fasting because this is something new in our house again, because Elise has reached that age where um, I, we have been building her up that it's time for her to fast before church. I'm not talking about the seasonal fast. I'm talking about fasting in order to take communion on Sundays, no food, no drink, no nothing. Um, and, and this has meant a lot of things in a lot of ways, the past few weeks that we've been starting this. Yeah. A lot of families tackle this in different ways. There are like different methodologies and I've seen some have great success and others, not so much. Yeah. And I've, and I see a lot of people around us at church doing this different ways, There's those who wait until their kid says they're ready. And there's those who kind of bring it to them and tell them now's the time. Um, And I will tell you that we are the latter because for just for a little backstory, for a really long time, we were building up to Elise that once she turns six years old, that would be the time that she is now old enough to um, be like the grownups and not eat, not drink anything before taking communion. And we built it up very positively. We were saying it in the manner of, hey, now you get to fast. Now you get to like not have it with us and be like strong all morning and and all these things. She was excited. She was so excited. So I will tell you that the first two times we did it was super successful. Um, yes, she was hungry. Yes, she complained. Yes, you know, but but she was complaining kind of like to vent, not to get out of it, okay? And I had told her the night before the very first time that she was going to be fasting, is listen, at least this is what's going to happen. You're going to wake up in the morning and you are going to feel the hungriest you have ever felt. And you are going to feel the angriest you have ever felt because you're not eating, because your brother gets to eat and you're not. You're going to feel a lot of things. And guess what? All of that is the devil trying to get in your head, trying to get you to not successfully take communion and and all these things. And um she was like, I'm going to win against him. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to be the winner. And, and it was great. And I was like, yes, positive energy, positive vibes. First two times. I mean, there was like zero issues. She said it and she was like, but I'm going to win. 
Um, then came like the third and fourth time. It got much tougher. Last week, not this very past Sunday, but the week before that, when we were getting ready for church, she was like, mommy, please, I just want to eat something. Can I even have a drink of water? And in the back of my mind, Laura, all I was having in my head is I don't want her to hate church. I don't want her to hate church. I don't want her to hate church. But at the same time, rules are rules. Like I didn't want her to just get out of it. And so I ended up having to tell her, this is, this is what I said to her. And I don't know if this was the right thing, but I said, I'm going to do with you what God does with us. I'm going to tell you the rules and I'm going to tell you how it works. And it's your choice. You are going to make the choice of whether or not you're going to do it. So the rule of the church is if you eat, you can't take communion. If you don't eat, then you get to take communion. It's up to you. If you want to eat, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. And I'm not going to be mad. Although secretly in the back of my mind, I was very much going to be disappointed. Um, but I will tell you, Elise, that you are strong enough and you have proven it now a couple of times that you can do it. So it's not because you can't. It's because today in particular, the, the battle is a little bit harder. So that day she was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I let her go. She came back and she's like, I decided not to eat. Great. Well, this past Sunday, we had the exact same conversation from beginning to end again. This time she chose to eat. I was so sad. I felt like I felt a little bit of a, a failure on my part. And, uh, you know, but my husband was like, you know, I think you're taking this too hard because here we are as adults. We don't make the right choice every time. And, you know, like it's it's OK that sometimes she's going to choose to do the wrong thing. But I was like, no, but like she's too young for that. She just started, you know, a whole thing. So I don't know, Laura, how, how have you experienced this whole thing? You know, I love that you uh, brought up that thing about water, because I feel like I had forgotten about that when we were, when I was thinking through this topic before, I had really only thought about like how we had done it, but I, I forgot the step with water. So just to back up, uh, my kids are 13 and eight. They've been fasting before church for a long time now. Um, it was not so much a problem with Sophia, my oldest, because she, she's, she's good about like whatever meal, whenever she's not really um, driven by food as much as my son is for for the men in my life I've noticed that like food is like a deal breaker like a do or die <laughs> if I don't eat <laughs> now we're all dying <laughs> yeah um we did we in my mind we did the the like one hour or the hour by hour method so when they were one we stopped eating at an hour when they were two they stopped eating two hours so they didn't eat during liturgy from the time they were two or three years old again this took a little longer for Michael. I probably gave him another year for everything that we, all the like process that we worked through. Um, breakfast, yeah, we did for quite a while. And then we actually switched to just water at first. So you could have a sip of water in the morning and that would ride you over. Um, so that is a stepping stone. And I, I think I use that because I, because of how thirsty I can get in the morning, I could really feel for them or, um, so I, I think there was a time when you could have water and then there was a time where they would make the mistake of eating or drinking and I would have them go and apologize to Abuna before they take communion. So I, I had them do that thing where you have to get help from Abuna, you have to get permission um, before you, before you eat. And that feeling of having to go, even now when I like when I have to have a sip of water or I have to take a medication before and I like go and I say, Abuna, I'm sorry, I did this, um, is, I don't know, it just like ratchets up the yes. seriousness of the matter, you know? Yes. 
And um, you know what's funny is I considered doing that. I considered telling her, okay, but here's what you have to do is you have to tell Abuna. But I also felt like at six years old, it could be a little traumatizing. Six <laughs> and I didn't old, want yeah. her to be afraid to approach Abuna. Like, be, and Abuna's the sweetest. Like all of them are so sweet here. They're not going to like say anything. But at the same time, like you said, that feeling of going and you're on the spot. So like everyone's kind of there, you know, it, I felt like that was a little too much for, for her. You know, I, I, I did not take into account the fact that Abuna is their father. So when they're going, <laughs> how, how scared could they really be? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh. I but you know what Laura that morning that um this past morning I I texted my friends and I was like am I doing this wrong like is she going to hate church am I being too strict and tough on her what like what do I do and they were like no I mean just let her make the decision you know she's she's still young she's whatever um but really the biggest thing that I noticed is that on her way to church Isaiah her younger brother was not being very nice. Like they were fighting, they were, they were doing all these things. And I realized that there was another lesson here. And I told her, and I told him, you know, Elise can't eat before communion, but you know that you also have to have a pure heart in order to go into communion. So the preparation is not just that you're not eating. It's also the thoughts that we think, the, the feelings that we have, we have to be very careful. The words that we say, because as much as we don't want to put anything in our mouths before the holy body and the, and the holy blood, you also don't want bad things in your mouth before that. And some of that includes saying things that are not nice. And, um, and, and so the conversation grew in that moment and it was nice. But then I realized it, it, was, it was then that I was like, how much do I want to care or not care, but how much do I want to push this idea of food when really there's so much more to it? And I guess I'm always towing this line between what's right and what's wrong when it comes to the rules of the church with the kids. And, and I want them to love it. But I grew up in a very strict household, I want to say, like when it came to that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know about you, Laura. Yeah, we were definitely very strict. I think the thing people sometimes underestimate is how much we love hard things. We actually love being challenged and rising up to that challenge. Like Elise... There's a reason she was so excited the first two, three times and made the right decision because she knew it was something that was stretching her beyond her regular abilities. And she liked that feeling afterwards of knowing that she can handle difficult things, you know, and I, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised this coming week that when you give her the choice again, knowing your daughter, that she will be really excited to do her best again. You know, she's not going to shy away from the challenge. Um, I, I, you know, you and I kind of talked a little bit about this, where there are a lot of things that have to do with church, where we're towing the line between how much choice and freedom do the kids have and how much, um, do we want to enforce something? So when we talked a little bit about modesty, I kind of talked about how, like, I feel like there has to be some kind of dress code for church. You can't like show up in your pajamas, right? <laughs> Um, but at the same time, do I want to make them miserable by putting them like in a tie and like sparkly dress? Um, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about how there are a lot of different struggles on Sunday morning. And one of my struggles before feast days was getting the kids to wear the right thing. Like the outfit that we had already picked out and paid for, um, getting them, convincing them to wear that and go to the feast was mm. a huge challenge. And I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, it's just 
there are two things that come into play. Um, one is their own personal desires and limitations, but also time, you know, in time, this won't even be an issue for Elise anymore, right? Like mm. in time, the kid that's just learning, I mean, a year from now, this won't even be a conversation in your house. She'll just be fasting, right? Mm. I mean, th- that's the that's the goal, right? That's the goal. And I think really the extra challenge is that her younger brother still gets to eat. Um, but even with him, we have rules. Like he eats when he first wakes up in the morning and then he's not allowed to eat again until after church. So it's not like he's eating all the way up to communion. But at the same time, that being able to break that fast in the morning of not having not eating all night is very challenging for her and for him. But I guess the the goal is, you know what, Laura, the goal is much bigger. I just don't want them to hate church. I just want them to love going. I want them to love God. I want them to love orthodoxy and and everything that comes with it. Because I remember growing up that even though like my parents were strict about it, they weren't mean about it. Like I, I want to make sure that we're differentiating that strict and mean are not the same thing, but they said rules are rules, you know? And so they would read the ingredients on things when we're fasting, like down to the way into the gelatin. Like we didn't eat any of that. Okay. Um, but they told me like, you're not supposed to eat. You're not supposed to do whatever. And I didn't grow up hating the church. However, I did kind of resent fasting at some point. I did resent that there was that dread about when fasting was about to start. And it was always like, ah, like it's time again. And here we go. And, but I did it, but I wasn't happy about it. And does that defeat the whole purpose? Well, I'm going to ask you now, right? Like today, do you resent fasting? A little, I don't resent fasting. I, I, I will still say I don't resent fasting because I, with my mind, can reason the the purpose of it and I can reason the benefit of it. So even if it's hard, I know that like it's for the greater good. Okay. Like going to exercise, like I, I hate it with a passion, but I know that this is something I have to do. Um, but I don't want to hate fasting. I don't want to say I hate fasting, but I do think man, how do I do this every time? I don't remember. What what is I eating? What was I doing? Like, this is so much tougher. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like maybe for me, like, dairy gives me such problems that I'm always like, can we please start fasting now so I don't have to keep eating things that I really shouldn't be eating? (laughs) Yeah. What a blessing, huh? In disguise. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or like control. It's much easier. Well, Unless there's a bag of chips in the house, it's much easier to eat only as much as you need to when the food is not quite as delectable as like Teta's macarona form, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. I, it, but I mean, just again, bringing it back to the the kids, though. What? Yeah. what I just, I mean, I feel like this is everybody's struggle. Is I want them to love it, but at the same time, understand the importance and the value of it, and the grand scheme of things, Laura, she's only been doing this like a month. I mean, it's not that long. So I know that the, like, I, I need to stop overthinking. I, I found out this weekend that all my friends think I overthink everything. So that's, that's good to know, because now I, I know that that's my problem. But um, I just want to make sure that um, in the end, I'm setting a good solid example. And it's not about the food as I was learning that day. It's not about the food. It's about the, the gift, the sacrifice that we are making in return for the sacrifice that was made for us. And it's really not asking a lot of us to not eat for a couple of hours in order to be in communion with, with God. Um, yeah, and, and I that's think, the message. Yeah. And I think your, the way that you did it sounds amazing. Like, I feel like 
I'm looking back, I don't remember that we had as much um, like super prep about it. You know, I, I love the idea that it's something to look forward to, that really the way you position things for kids makes such a difference, even if they choose differently. Um, like you said, you can be strict without being mean. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. It doesn't mm. have to be a negative experience if it's framed correctly and it, it comes with the right, um, right attitudes behind it, right? Like the right message and the right, you know, I think we often talk about how when we're dealing with our kids, we want them to feel like we're all on the same team. So mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that makes it so easy now. And I, you know, Isaiah is only a couple of years younger than Elise, right? Yeah, he's, he's turning four this week. So he's only two years okay. younger. Yeah. So he's got a couple of years. So in a couple of years, he'll be fasting with her and it'll be like the whole family doesn't even think about food. And I feel like part of that is like, oh, we're on a team and this team yes. does this. Right. And I, I can just see that going really, really well. Um, well he's uh, yeah, I have different, to... Sorry, he's, he's got a different um, goal too, though. He is dying to be a deacon. He's like, I can't wait to be a deacon. So for me, I'm like, that's going to be easier. The pull is, okay, you want to be a deacon, you're going to have to fast. Like, that's just how it works. But that's anyways. true. No, I love that. And I, I did notice that like a lot of other families, they're not able to you know, other kids may not be able to have the self-control to not eat breakfast. It may take them longer to give up breakfast than age six. You know, some, mm. some kids may need more time. And I do suggest, you know, if, if you're in that in-between stage, you know, to our listeners, that there are, you can think of smaller steps if you need to, like you can bring it down to a granola bar. You can, you can think of like, depending on your own child's abilities and so on, you can, scale it back in your own pace or at the pace that the child can do. But the other thing is I, I just don't want people to underestimate their kids. Like kids don't need to eat for four hours every morning. They, they can stop at some point. Yes. And I will tell you that another thing that my friends told me that, because again, I'm at the beginning of this journey. Some of them have been doing it much longer, but there, there's two tips that they gave me. One is if they decide to eat, it's not going to be a full breakfast. Just like you said, a granola bar, a snack, like one snack that you agree to that they get to have. And that's it. So they're not like indulging in breakfast, but also another thing, a tip that she gave me now, if you guys recall the way that we do Sunday mornings is we like to kind of go towards the end. And we, we say we want quality over quantity. That was always our thing, but their tip was, I want you to know that the longer you stay home, the bigger the temptation is, because if you're at church earlier, there's no conversation of food to be had. There's no food there. That's it. Like you're going, you're going, you're praying. That's it. And um, I saw the value in that. So I've been preaching a long time, like quality over quantity, quality over quantity, but maybe I'm past that stage and I'm learning as I go. Maybe now we're at that stage where we need to get there early or more on time. And it's going to have its own challenges for sure, being there for a longer period of time. Am I going to have to reconsider this whole no toys in church thing or no like books or things in church? I don't know. But um this is just where we are. And, and I'm, I'm talking this out loud with all of you, because this is, I think, part of the learning process with having kids, especially in the church, things are going to work for a short amount of time, and then they're not going to work. And then you have to revisit the drawing board and think, now, what do we do? Our kids are different. Their ages are different. Their needs are different. And this is just how the world works with everything, not even just church. Yeah. And I want to say there are two other things that play a big factor in whether it's easy or hard for kids to fast Sunday morning. The first is, did they eat well the night before, right? Because mm -hmm. you want to make sure they have a nice hearty dinner 
I know we always had this problem with my daughter. She would not eat much of a dinner on Saturday night. And then she would be like, oh, my stomach hurts all Sunday, all during liturgy, her stomach hurts, but it's hunger. She's hungry. Mm. (laughs) So we had to talk her into like convince her, you have to actually eat dinner. You can't, you can't like peace out on dinner and then not eat breakfast. That's, it's not going to work. And then the other thing, and this is more for my son is to make sure that they have food after, you know, you had said that you pack them food. Um, We had a period here where we didn't have any church snacks or any food either. So we also, um, he, he, Michael got accustomed to making his own, um, like packing his own little lunchbox with like little goldfish, little whatever. (laughs) Um, and I think that those two things, like having a guaranteed food. I mean, I remember he would, as soon as he'd take communion, he'd like tear out to go. (laughs) Yes. And that's what, that's what she did the last few times is because we would pack that lunch for after church Mm -hmm. and there you go. She would take communion. She'd be like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, yes, I know. Let's go. Let's go (laughs) walk out, (laughs) eat your food. So taking care of those two things is for their peace of mind too. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, Madonna, but I'm like that too. Like if we go on a trip and we don't know where our next meal is going to be, I get very anxious. I need to know that I'm going to eat at a certain time. I cannot go like far beyond that without food. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. There's a goal to work towards, which is, is I think really for all of us, we all like to feel like there's a purpose to all this waiting, (laughs) you know? Um, but I mean, I guess the, the end goal here is that, um, you, we've said this so many times because it's so true. You have to do what works for your family. And I think Laura, you gave a lot of good tips. You can come up with baby steps for your kids. Maybe they're not straight cold Turkey, go from everything to nothing before church. Um, Getting there earlier. I think that might work for some people packing that lunch ahead of time so they can have it immediately after communion and have that to look forward to Um, and prepping them ahead of time, I think, and making sure they have like a good meal the night before. I think those are all really, really good tips. Do you have any others that you can think of, Laura? No, I just, the last thing that I don't think you mentioned is the long-term prep, the the bigger conversation again about why are we doing this and what are we offering and um, how much fun is it to do this together, right? Um, That I would add as, as maybe the last tip there. And I think that if you have multiple age kids, like I mentioned earlier, the part of that preparation too of the purpose is more than just the conversation about food. And, and it's the same with fasting. We can get really legalistic about our fasts when it comes to the food. And then we are living our life daily, doing whatever we feel like doing, which is kind of doesn't defeat the purpose, but it doesn't help it. It doesn't add to it. And so I think the same conversation can be had about communion. And I think that's a good part for everyone that part of that being that team, we all need to make sure that we're saying kind words. We need to make sure that even during that morning rush, we're not losing our temper and our patience and our, you know, whatever our respect for for one another. I think those are all really good things to think about. And so really there is a lot to Sunday mornings and every age group has its own challenges. That's even for us as adults. So next time we want to open this conversation further and talk about how to make Sunday mornings more successful in general, because today we focused on food and fasting, but we've heard a lot of things about people saying that Sunday mornings are just stressful, just, you know, high tense situations. And I'm sure that there are things that people have done that they figured out that could probably help others there. So we are going to look forward to hearing about that next time. 
Yeah, and with that being said, thank you so much for joining us today on this week's episode of Raising Up Cops. You can find us at RaisingUpCops.com and email us at RaisingUpCops at gmail.com. Raising Up Cops is a podcast hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lewindy. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Church or its hierarchy. These are purely our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you would like to reach out with any questions or comments, please email raisingupcopts at gmail.com or post on the Coptic Dad and Mom Parenting Community on Facebook.